guys, I am incredibly excited <laughs> to be sat with um, Lanoire Adiremi. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, yeah. but this will correct <laughs> me if I'm not, because I am Yoruba Nigerian and I should be able to be bagged this name, but I, I haven't bagged it yet. Um, <laughs> but Lanoire Adiremi is an incredible playwright, poet, multidisciplinary artist, if, if I'm being honest. I don't think there's like... I can really box you as I shouldn't but I don't think there's like I don't think there's things that you don't really do I think you can you delve into kind of different things but primarily I know you for your playwriting and your your poetry which is incredible um mm. and yeah welcome welcome Thank to you. the Chronicles of Black Joy podcast how are you feeling I'm feeling really good very content mm-hmm. um yeah I'm, I'm very excited to to share today. cool Cool. I wanted to start off the the interview or conversation with with a like a random impromptu question. If joy if joy was a drink, if joy was a drink, what would it be for you? I think it would be orange Fanta. <laughs> orange Fanta. Yeah, so the Fanta Nigerian Fanta. The Nigerian really Fanta. Orange one, just because I associated it with my childhood and I remember growing up um, in in secondary school because I went to boarding house, boarding school in, in Lagos and every Sunday we had um, what you call soft drinks or minerals and they'd bring the soft drinks and everybody would run for orange Fanta. Like the, the race for it was just so crazy. <laughs> and if you got the orange Fanta, you were like, you were like the princess basically and people would even ask to buy that Fanta and I remember we'd have it with like white rice and cabbage stew and chicken it was just a beautiful way to end the Sunday and start the week so yeah that is so that's such a nice memory as well to kind of yeah give it context as well yeah uh, and I've never actually tried the orange fan the Nigerian orange oh, Fanta so. it's so it's much more much more sugar but it's, oh. it's really nice and it leaves a the Fanta, the Fanta I drink in the UK doesn't leave a stain on your tongue. The one in, in Lagos does. Mm. Nigeria does, yeah. Yeah, that's how you know. That's how you yeah. know it has that richness. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, honestly. What's the, the first thing you think of when I say, or when I mention Black Joy? Like, instinctively, what comes to you? I feel like dance is an expression of Black Joy because a lot of dance is unplanned I mean yes there's choreography but even in that there's still moments for for mis- well I don't want to say mistakes but for ex- expression that isn't planned right so I think when I think of Black Joy what I think about is like people gather just dancing I think of Owambes I think of parties I think of um you know like church gatherings naming ceremonies birthday party I just think of dance dance just is what instantly comes to mind and maybe that's also because dance is a huge part of of our tradition as as Nigerians um as a black person as well you know I think dance is movements and I think a lot of joy is characterized by movements yes joy is also about staying still but the joy that I think of is often one that involves movements whether it's moving to go somewhere to encounter that joy or even remaining still in, in the moment, but your mind is still moving. Um, so yeah, I think dance is definitely what, what comes to mind. And because dance is also accompanied with music a lot of times, because I associate joy 
with them music as well perhaps that's why um that comes like instantly as an association yeah yeah i i think yeah the dance is such a massive part of our of well specifically from um you know nigerian yoruba that it's a massive part of our culture um and there's a there's a bringing together there's a unity when it comes to dance there's a um there's a spontaneity about it and like yeah I guess there's without trying to sound too abstract there's just like a release of something I don't know the joy probably um when it comes to to dance and yeah sometimes I feel like I don't do enough of it like I know it sounds weird but I only really dance when it's like parties or gatherings or um maybe like family Christmas but like all around the house like a solo thing I might just do a little <laughs> a little dance close the curtains and dance but um I just don't think yeah I do a, a enough of, of dancing at least what you're talking about a more yeah spontaneous kind of dance. is that something that wasn't massively part of your growing up just dance with you your family maybe your siblings I don't know yeah I think I danced more by myself growing up so right. as an adult than as a child a lot of times when I danced when I was younger, it was with people. It was because it was often choreographed. It was with um, my my peers from like a school concert. Um, and I actually was terrible at dancing. So I didn't really like dance, um, which is interesting because a lot of joy is because you enjoy it. But I think some some joy, unfortunately, is accompanied by pain. Um, and perhaps that's why dance is sort of the site of both joy and, and also struggle. Because I remember... I mean, even to date, I still struggle to memorize dance steps. Like, I can't even do the candy dance <laughs> to date. So, yeah, but for me, maybe it's also because I think that some things that are joy- joyous are things that I don't, I'm not great at because I'm just doing it for the sake of it. And I like the fact that you use the word release because, you know, I remember when the pandemic began last year in March, my way of releasing all the stress was, I wasn't even on TikTok, but I would record videos of myself dancing to like gospel and hip hop and rap. And just like, I'd just be vibing by myself in my room. And so, yeah, I love dancing. I still dance by myself now. And I would just put my my iPad in, near the windowsill and I'll just be making moves in front of the, what what is my mirror, my sort of digital mirror. Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people like TikTok um, dancers because I think there's something about dance that elicits that joy that you speak of I mean you said release but even watching somebody dance feels very therapeutic like I vividly remember whenever I'd go to um in, in Nigeria when I go to watch plays it was the dance I looked forward to the most because it felt like even as an audience even though I was you know they always say that there's sort of hierarchy between the stage and the the places where the place where the audience is located because you're kind of removed from the stage but even then I still felt like I was part of that collective dance so yeah I, I like dance and I also think of dance not just as movements but as it's a dance with words so dance with sounds you, you can the dance as a verb itself um is a very interesting idea for me and so I don't also I don't just dance with dance in the physical sense but I dance with words I dance with sounds I dance in the archive I dance in history um so everything is really a dance in life yeah that that is yeah that, I mean that's a poem in itself you done you done a little into that would be like yeah. an interlude for an album like dance is this well, dance is that. I used to write that down you used to write, I, I was saying you're gonna listen to this back and you just have to like <laughs> write it down but yeah that sounds like almost like a 
a prologue or just starting to introduce something. It's like that, that was a beautiful way to describe dance. And I think that's exactly what you do with the story um, that we're going to hear very shortly um, uh, called Ayomide, which you, you will unpack um, in, a, in a bit. But yeah, there is a dance with words and I don't know if the right word is like riddle or melody. Um, mm. It sounds like a riddle that, that um, and I don't want to... I'm spoiling it for you. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you hear what she submitted, you know, and what she what she created for this um, for this concept of black joy and reclaiming the narrative. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there is a dancing of sounds and words, and even just 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 the structure was a was almost a dance as well. Like everything just felt like you said spontaneous. Like, you know, those spontaneous dances where it's unplanned, it's kind of impromptu and it's just like, it felt spontaneous. It felt like I was interweaving in and out in just different parts of your mind and your, and and like, it almost felt like I was coming in and out of like a room. And then I was at, um, in one of your commutes and then I was in like your mind and then I was in like your soul. It just felt like different locations that you were locating us differently. So I'm just, I'm giving you a tease of what, um, of this beautiful story, yeah. Ayomide, but I want, yeah. I want, um, I want you to basically, I guess, not not without spoiling it, which I've basically done, but without spoiling it, just tell us a bit about um, this story. Yeah. Mm. Well, I love the way you described it as being spontaneous and feeling like you're walking through different rooms because mm. I think that was so important for me. Um, I saw the sound art as a sort of sonic collage, you know, a, a collage of, of ideas, of memories, voices, dances. And so for me, what was first important was to um, to cite the people that have given me joy. It was very important that they were eulogized in the whole project. And those were family members, specifically my mom and my grandma. And it was so interesting because, not to give spoilers, but a lot of the um, snippets that are in the, in the piece are just pure coincidence. So um, there is a voice note of a conversation I had with my grandma and my mom. And I remember um, just feeling like I want to record it because I, I saw a tweet a while back and they said, record, don't forget to record conversations with your grandparents because, you know, they won't be here for too long. Have that documented. And so one thing I've been doing a lot more is whenever I'm on the phone with my grandma, my grandpa, I just quickly get my phone out and record it just so there's a memory. And I've always wanted to make a piece with my grandma. Um, she was, she is, she's still alive. So she's very, she's been very influential in my creative process, but in a very distant way. So I remember when I was growing up, it was my grandparents I would read our stories to because we we had to read stories to them. My grandparents would come for my my plays in school. So that's when I acted in, in primary school and secondary school. They were very, very supportive. And I just thought, you know, what What would be a great way to preserve that joy, to archive that joy that they, they made me feel? And, and I think the sound art provided that that space for it. And then um, my mom is the second person, the second character in the, in the sound art. And um, it was important that I collaborated with her. A lot of times my mom is the source of the inspiration, but I wanted her to be an actual collaborator. So I said to her, okay, mommy, I'm going to ask you some questions. I need you to please give me your responses. And my mom is somebody that loves to plan. And I said, mommy, no, no, don't worry. Just be spontaneous. When you go to the studio, just give your response. She was like, nope, 
I didn't write everything down. <laughs> and she actually wrote everything down. And she was like, Leonard, what do you think of this? Is this nice? And I was like, no, no, I don't want to see it. Don't worry, on the day we'll just hear it. Because I didn't want to um, interrupt her creative flow. You know, and, and it was very lovely how it, it came across. We only did one take of her own um, recording, whereas mine had a lot more takes. But I, I just thought it was such a fun process to record with my mom. I even have a picture, and I'll send that to you actually after this, of me and her in the studio. It felt so surreal because I've always wanted to take her to the studio. And so in creating this piece called I Am Media, meaning the joy, joy has arrived, it's interesting because even while I was creating this, so the process itself was joyous. It was no um, moments where I felt I felt sad. I genuinely felt so happy in, in creating this. And there was pain in it as well, because I think I always say to writers, editing is the most painful process. It's the process that if I use this, the um, biblical allusion of Jesus talking about pruning, it literally is like you're being pruned. You know, every part of you is being chipped off. And with editing this, although we had the amazing, you know, Reese who edited it in terms of the sort of technical aspect, I still had to create a script for the editing. And, and it was painful to be able to create a narrative because I also wanted the narrative to be, to make sense. I wanted it to be a story. And actually it was a piece, I watched a film at the BFI um, a few weeks ago. It was called Fire Dye, Fire Dye I believe. What's it called? Yeah, Fire Dye. And it's a film by um, Jennifer, Jessica Bescher, who is a uh, Mexican, yeah, I think she's Mexican and Ethiopian, yeah, Mexican Ethiopian filmmaker. Anyways, but her, her film was basically about um, to about a community, I don't want to spoil it, but it's about a community who um, they consume a lot of this, there's this particular plant called cats, it's a leaf that, um, um, people in that community, they chew, both for religious reasons and also because it's a very lucrative cash um, crop. But the style in which she wrote it was very dreamlike. It felt like you were in a trance. And when I watched the film, I was so inspired because it allowed me to find the language to this dance. Because I knew that I didn't want to make it a chronological story. I didn't want people to say, okay, this happened in the beginning, this happened, this happened in the end. I really wanted the listener to feel like they were swimming in water they were immersed in that story and to for them to make sense of the joy on their own terms and so even if you listen to it from backwards to beginning there is still a narrative to it even though it's slightly you know like I said it's a sonic collage and then um I really wanted it to also feel like you were and I love the fact that you used the idea of walking into rooms because that was literally how it felt like when I was planning it out it felt like I was imagining myself in both Nigeria, because my grandparents are in Nigeria, in the UK. And so I was I was literally two different worlds as I was writing it. Because I was also talking about my own childhood memories, my own dance as a child. I was talking about my my parents, my mom rather, my mom's um, my mom's joy, my grandma's joy. And yeah, so in, in general, the narrative itself is deliberately supposed to be um, it's supposed to feel like Non, it's non-linear in its style, firstly, but very dreamlike. And I really wanted the listener to feel like they were in in like many, many worlds. So yeah. Sorry, that was such a long, long no, no, that's a good way to kind of segue um into it and yeah, just segue into the the story. So do you want to just introduce um the story for us? Yeah, so um it's called I am Midday, meaning 
um, my joy has arrived. And the story itself is about um, three family members' encounters with joy. So my mother's encounter with joy, my grandma's encounter with joy, and my encounter with joy. Okay, okay we can see you now. Thank you, Grandma. Thank you, Grandpa. She's here in a Thank you, Grandpa and Grandma. Is you want masking? I do your mask. Muni, I do your masking. Hallelujah. I do your masking. Hey, your mask is. Can't believe it. She's so happy. Hallelujah. Hey, do your mask. Amen. Hey, your mask is so you can hear us. Hey, your mask so that they bow, they bow in. Eh, eh, eh. Can they bow in, Dada? You have to grab the disc. Oh goodness, I'm not getting it. Yeah, you have to grab the disc. The cream yellow cover with bold black women. You have to place the art. Mm, no, place the pill. Mm, no, you have to place the pillows. They loose threads. I like the grains of rice you left on the red table. Mm, I don't know if that worked. On the red table. I have this project that's about black joy and I'm just trying to experiment with like music and poetry and I don't know if it's working, but I don't know. It will probably work. It will be fine. Yeah. Mommy, wait. In fact, what does joy mean to you? Joy, the mere word joy makes me smile. It is a word that is refreshing and that that word, you know, it's, um, it's full of different memories. But as a Christian, you know, and I de- you know that I am, I derive my joy from God. And I can tell you that the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the kind of joy that gives me strength to navigate life, to have victory, to break barriers, and to overcome any obstacle in my way. Hello, Mommy. Can you please tell me about your childhood? What were joyful moments like? You know, what did you do for fun? What were things that made you happy? Joyful moments in my childhood, Lanoire, they're quite numerous. From simple things like sprinkling mom's lavender talcum powder on my face to the plaiting of my hair with different colored ribbons that make me stand out at parties. And of course, wearing my mom's high heel shoes and playing dress up you know, with her shoes. And of course, the aroma of cooking jollof rice and eating jollof rice. Other joyful moments could be passing my exams and um, milestones like riding a bicycle for the first time. And I remember being on a bridal train with my beige, beige satin dress with colorful flowers on my hair and um, having to stay up late at my auntie's wedding that was a day i would never forget i felt like an adult there are days like that my dad you know your grandpa having got a job um promotion and then that means we moved to big houses and when my when mom your grandmother had other siblings 
had other children, you know, my siblings, and that was quite good. You have to grab the disc, the cream yellow cover with bold black women. You have to place the pillows, their loose threads are like the grains of rice you left on the red table. You have to grab the disc, the cream yellow cover with bold black women. You have to place the orange pillows. Their loose threads are like the grains of rice you left on the red table. And switch on the disc player. Place the compact disc in. Let your small hands touch the amplifier, the cold metal. Now wait. The beats are repetitive. The beats are fast. Now shake your small hips to the left and to the right. Lanore, dance from one pillow to another and sing with a purple dinosaur. Now stop. The beats are slow. Fling your extensions. Express yourself. I want to hear the clear crystal sea blue beats clatter. The joy is still fresh in my memory. My childhood memory. Mommy, so as a mother, how did you use storytelling to create joy for us growing up? You know, I remember you would read us stories and you would um, allow us to to play and, and let us explain our, our own favorite moments of the day. So can you just tell me more about that? How did you use storytelling to create joy for us? As a mother, while you were growing up, storytelling was a full day activity that culminated at bedtime while washing you, dressing you up, while eating, it is done with singing and storytelling, which makes the activity less tedious for me and you. And it makes it interesting for both you and me. These stories re-energizes and brings joy to all of us. And of course, you remember at bedtime, the story becomes more dramatic. As I read from books, or just tell you stories passed down from my mom and grandma, these stories are embellished and retold over and over again, but with only one ending, to give joy to you and your sister who are listening and who would eventually pass it to your children too, my grandchildren. Ayomide is Yoruba, for my joy has arrived. And I am Yoruba, and Yoruba is a tribe in Nigeria. And Nigeria is a country in West Africa. That is what I was told. In year six, my teacher told me to memorize 36 states and capitals. It became our passports into class as students. So every day we will recite all 36 states. And when we got to Jigawa, we will stammer. And then we will laugh when we guessed that Kaduna's capital was in fact Kaduna. How was that possible? A capital's namesake, its own state? Ayomide. The Oshus and Oyos and Oguns were familiar, and that familiarity with my mother tongue grew on me. It was an odd familiarity, because I did not know it well enough to speak it or understand it when it was spoken. But I was familiar with the culture, the food, the people, the joy, Ayomide. And how come Grandpa and Grandma can mold their Eba so perfectly? I tried not to stare when they ate Eba with okra and stew. 
But when I stared, my eyes were transfixed in wonder. Grandpa and Grandma knew that I had tasted the joy. My teacher knew that I had tasted the joy. I knew that I had tasted the joy because the joy was right here. Ayomide. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. 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 My question is, why did you choose this story to celebrate Black joy? So I chose this story because it was the most intimate for me. I felt like I wanted to capture a joy that was both familiar to people and intimate. And when I say familiar, I mean it both in familiar, like family terms and also like familiar rather, and also familiar in terms of the nostalgic feel. So everybody can relate to speaking to their mom or their dad or their grandpa or grandma, just a family member. And I just thought, why not capture such an intimate encounter through sound? And that was my, one of my, you know, um, aims for it. And the second was just because I've always wanted to explore, um, or not explore, but I've always been interested in exploring intergenerational relationships I think that sometimes when you're so immersed in your own world, there's a tendency to fixate on the only thing you, the only thing you know. And I was really interested in what I didn't know. And I, I've always, um, you know, I grew up with my mom, my grandma, just being so supportive of my own creative processes. And I thought, why not involve them in this and let them contribute to this, you know, co-create with me. Because at, at the end of the day, they're creating and producing knowledge. And so that knowledge would allow me to make sense of what joy is. Because even when I started, I said to myself, I don't even know what joy is. Let me find out what joy is from them. So in some sense, I was trying to make sense of joy. And it was the, the piece itself is a bit of an inquiry. And I mean, it's up to the listener to decide whether they actually get answers or they have more questions. But the aim was really to just capture um, what joy meant to my mother and my grandmother in a very intimate way and the it's why I've chosen to use certain kind of style the style I've chosen not to spoil it's of of capturing that joy it's not it doesn't feel like you're in a studio throughout there's there's so many um, like there's so many mediums that were used through this piece that allow the the story to feel even more intimate and and um, warm, so yeah. Amazing. Well, it definitely, it definitely felt intimate. Definitely felt warm. Definitely felt nostalgic. And it's really nice the fact that this is in a podcast format because it means that that people can listen to this story when they're cooking in the kitchen or when they're on their commute, um, and or when they're going for a walk. And I just. Obviously, you know, I said before, like, it feels like you're walking in different rooms, but people are going to be literally in different environments and feel immersed in, in this story. Um, and it's just, I just, the idea of that really excites me um, and really makes me feel like they'll, it feels like kind of the best kind of familiar, if I, if, like, to describe this story, even though I don't know you, I don't know you um, intimately, I don't know you, like, um, 
I don't know you from Adam. I just, I, I just feel like I've just gotten a sense of your, of of all of you in in that in that segment, um, and none of you at the same time because it's it's kind of different people in your life, and it's it's not delving into like a specific experience or a specific part of yourself. But it is at this. It's so there's so many. It's hard to describe the story, which is a good. I feel like it's a good thing. You don't want it to have this definitive thing, um, but it definitely excites me the fact that people are going to be in different locations and here just. Um, just being a completely different world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. Because I listened to it on an Uber back home and it felt so familiar. Mm. And again, like it felt so, it felt like I was back in Nigeria in my grandma's living room and also yeah. in the UK. Because I, as soon as I listened to it, I I let my mom listen to it. And she was like, wow, this is so cool. Oh, so, yeah, we, nice. we all loved it. My grandma hasn't heard it yet, but I will send it to her at some point. I loved in the part of the story... Well, if you're not Yoruba, you wouldn't know, but she was like, your mom kept saying, take off, is it your mom was saying, take off the mask, take off the mask. Take yeah, the exactly. Like, constantly. <laughs> Honestly, my mom was even telling me, why did I put that in there? And I was like, mommy, it feels so natural. Like, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be, not everything has to be rehearsed, you know? Yeah. I just thought it felt so natural because, you know, when I was there, I was even telling her that, it was like, I think she, she couldn't hear my mom. She was saying, would you, would you, would you? Oh, and then, right, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, we can't hear you, we can't hear you. And I think, like, I mean, not to make it sound so deep, but honestly, like, if you look at a lot of generations, they don't actually understand each other. They're not really hearing each other. Mm. But it's on, so you really pay attention and listen and you sit down with, you know, with people's dance or you actually deliberately try to witness their dance and the way they dance. You're then able to truly understand what they're trying to say. So it wasn't until my grandmother, you know, removed her mask. Um, and if you think of that in both literal and metaphorical terms, that there was able to be that transfer of knowledge of, of whatever joy she was feeling so yeah I thought it was such an interesting motif to use yeah um there's a one of my favorite quotes is be who you needed when you were younger so in the spirit of of black joy what would you tell your younger self that's such a good question um I will tell my younger self to just be present um And when I say being present, I think I felt like I put a lot of pressure on myself when I was younger. And I sometimes wish that I was just more grounded and allowed myself to really experience things as they were. Like sometimes you don't really understand certain emotions and that's okay, but experience it as it is. Um, Because I think there's there's a joy you get from being present. And I think I tried to like allow myself to be present this year when I went on social media for like six months and I would go for like events, but I won't have my phone, you know, I won't have well, phone, I say social media and it allowed me to really feel things in real time and real space. And it, there was something so joyous in that because I, I could never forget those memories. Um, not that I, I wasn't present when I was younger, but I feel like because of the pressure I put on myself, when I did feel emotions, I was just like, oh, I don't want to feel this anymore. Move on. Whereas now I'm like, I let myself feel them. And I'm like, okay, this was a lovely experience. It was a sad experience. Um, because I think at least for me anyways, part of joy is about being present. Like actually noticing things around you, um, observing things around you. But, but yeah. But I also tell my younger self to just keep writing like not to be worried I was very very worried I think I kind of I mean I I think I did things right and that I was um 
very determined to get my writing out there. Like I, I had a, a real determination um, that even now I'm like, wow, I can't believe I did some certain things. But um, yeah, I would just tell myself to keep going because I'm, I think I'm where I always wanted to be. In fact, probably even more than further rather than I thought I would I would be. So yeah. Lanare Ade Remy, thank you so much for being part, the first artist for the Chronicles of Black Joy podcast. It is an honour and a joy, a little joy to have you on. Um, and um, if leave us with a word, maybe like any word, how you're feeling, what you feel when you look at the sky, um, your favourite show, anything. Just leave us with something that would be a cool outro. <laughs> I think just remember to be childlike, like never forget to be childlike. I think childlikeness is one of the most important traits anybody can have. You know, as an adult, your childlikeness is repeatedly stripped off from you. And as a result of that, so is your imagination. But return to that childlike self. And I know some people don't have, haven't had the best of childhoods, which is okay. But when I say being childlike, I don't necessarily mean return to childhood. It's just be free be playful be um just let yourself be like just be free and and don't tell don't let anybody tell you who you're not meant to be or who you are meant to be like make make terms of that make sense of that for yourself at your own terms so yeah be be playful we tell like